What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Warp Factor Fiction, a chronological rewatch of the Star Trek franchise. We love it. We're all here for all of it. That's right. This is episode 18. We're still infantile in all of this. We have so much to go through. We started with Enterprise seasons one through four. We went into Discovery seasons one and two. Then we went into Strange New World seasons one and two. Then we took two months off. We didn't do any Star Trek rewatch. Well, we did a lot of Star Trek rewatching, but we didn't talk about it. We have two great episodes that were live, though. We did an uh, unboxing and a Trek gift guide. Go check them out. They were a lot of fun, and they're up on the podcast now. This is a Patreon show. Got to be a part of Patreon to see it early. We will put it up on the YouTube after a couple of months, so that way you can check it out, and it will be available in podcast format, so you can check it out or listen anywhere. We appreciate you doing that. But if you guys want to, please head over, and you can be a part of it. I will urge you to go and check out in the link tree down below our Discord. We have a great community there. It's free. It's open to join right now. Once we hit 300, we're going to close it off and only patrons can join. So you might want to join in and start having fun discussions and being part of fun watches and everything else. We talk about Star Trek and so, so much more because the scene sounds is all about that entertainment. All right, guys, let's get into it. Thanks for coming back after this long break. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm so glad we could be here. So for two months, we took off like we did our live shows, but like we weren't talking about Star Trek and we were watching TOS, the original series. Mm -hmm. um, before we get started, we do our kind of guide of going through the first half of season one that's how this works here you get two episodes a month and we cover half a season in each unless it's like a 10 season show then we might just do one and all the movies will be one show but we're gonna have some very special guests and stuff planned so be sure to stay tuned for that i want to ask you what is it like so far you know you are you're 11 now um for you watching the original series something came out in the 60s a lot of kids don't tend to gravitate towards that how do you feel about the show overall as you've been watching it? It definitely is dated. It it's not like new Star Trek. It's not even like the the next generation. It's very different than everything else that I've seen. Well, and, and so I don't want you to say which one's better or not because I feel like there's room for everything, and it's such a rich history. Having watched Enterprise, let's go with this question first. Having watched Enterprise, Strange New Worlds, and even Discovery because they all took place before this. But this is the quintessential. This is the pinnacle, right? How, what are your feelings on it? Like, how do you how do you feel compares to those? Do you think it holds up, or do you think that it, it lacks in comparison? And I'm not just talking about the look and the feel, but I'm talking about the actual trek that it set forth. I mean, this one's always going to have to be above those because this is the original, so it's always going to be held in high regard. But do you hold it in personal high regard? Do you think that this is a worthy show to stand up to the rest? It should not have gotten a first fourth season which it didn't so it, it should have been canceled when it did uh i will i will admit in this rewatch like a lot of the crazy weird episodes that i think uh people can tend to like touch down on not the famous ones i'm talking about like the real like lincoln you know you, you i don't even think you got there yet but like you, you know that's a famous episode and uh some others it really like they've always they've even in the first two seasons like the third season i understand why they were canceled after that it just and it wasn't i don't think it was the actor's fault so they still put on great performances they still knew this world that they were in i don't even know that it was produced for i would i would probably blame too much um interference by executives in my opinion i don't know the true story but if i had to i would go that route you know what i mean um so but for you uh you know again that young i grew up on this like there was i think the closest thing to it at the time when i was growing up like was star wars on a big screen but that was different that was the big screen when you compared tv to movies you never you weren't going to hold gilligan's island from the 60s to the same like esteem that you would hold like the godfather you know, like they're not going to look the same. They're not going to do the same. Or even comedy wise, if you keep it in there, it's not going to be like Ace Ventura. Like there's there's more money going into it. There's more star power, things like that at a time. But I got to say, when it comes to TOS, it still feels very cinematic for its time. Granted, we're watching it remastered, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely more cinematic than some other things of the 60s that I've seen. It yeah. looks more 70s and special effects wise, but it definitely feels like the 60s just the way that they use it yeah the remastered really helps for it to match up nicely especially with the movies i think i think when personally for me when i think of uh star trek in terms of how it looks tng is sort of like the staple i feel like all of like the look and feel and vibe and the storylines kind of more mirror themselves off of tng because that was a more popular of the shows um mm -hmm. 
versus TOS, but I do. Th- there's something about these fun adventure ones, and I forgot how awesome each character is. They own it. Like you can make fun of Shatner, you can say all this stuff, but like he was a great captain. Mm-hmm. And it, what? So how do you feel about seeing the sort of like friendship uh, unfold in front of your eyes? Because you've seen the movies, but like, do you do you understand Wrath of Khan more the ending now? You know, like we'll get to that yeah. with the review, but like you get why it's so deep by that point, and why three it's like so desperate to try and get there. Mm-hmm. I love that feel, I love that vibe of it all. Um, and I know it, I've got to tell you, TNG makes me feel this way too, but like there's something about rewatching the old TOS, like everything else we've, re- re- we've rewatched or I've seen. This might be my favorite series because it was the most. It was the most unrestricted in terms of story. Like, like this was early world building. There was nothing else to to set this up against. You know, in, in terms of sci-fi movies, sure, but or TV shows, sure. But I mean, in terms of Star Trek, there, there's even other movies and TV shows were not telling the same story Star Trek was. Yeah, they're a whole different thing. That's why they're still here. That's why they still exist, in my opinion. But yeah, I just. I love it. I liked it too. It's just it would have definitely. I think if they kept the same story, but if they uh, if they remade this, it would not be anywhere near as good as it is. No, I think you needed that right amount. Even with all the turmoil off the set and stuff like that, you hear those stories, and we don't really talk about that stuff here because that's not what this is about. This is an appreciation of Trek franchise. Uh, but but it's hard pressed to not at least when you're watching the original series realize there was some turmoil like you know that some of the actors didn't like each other and stuff like that but they really when they were on camera they pulled this off and you actually you had some uh, you brought some facts to it uh, what what's the fact that you just shared with me because well, actually before you uh, you share it let me share what I noticed and that was uh Chekhov is widely known as the famous for being the navigator on the Enterprise in this in this time era uh he didn't come in until season two um we know that because there's a wide mistake widely known mistake of from rathacon and we'll get there when we get there but uh, sulu was always there but sulu wasn't always the helmsman but it's always widely thought about because of the movies that it was sulu and Chekhov. but i don't think i saw them together sitting at the console until season three for like one episode and i don't think i've seen them since so i'm still in season three through my re- my rewatch i'm gonna look maybe i'm wrong and if anybody's watching or listening and you can say an episode in season two where they were together at the console on the bridge i would love to hear it please let me know because i'll go back and check it out but i was looking for it and i didn't see it but you looked something up and i'm anxious to hear what you uh what you've uncovered so there's this guy eddie paskey he's in a lot of stuff he was in mission impossible he's most known for playing lieutenant leslie but i think he had some other roles in star trek and he was in more episodes than uh sulu was and did he play the helmsman so was he at the console too um i don't know Okay. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I love that you said that too. But like he and he doesn't get mentioned, uh, and you don't really see him that much, or, or after after the show ended. So it's it's interesting to say why they didn't pick this, that, or the other thing. I will say this: he was probably a friend of Leonard Nimoy's because Leonard Nimoy started on Mission Impossible as well. You know, so that's where his his star rose. Um, whereas you know, uh, I, I still kind of like William Shatner. Like I remember from the Twilight Zones, and he was big on stage and he did some stuff. But like I felt like Leonard was the bigger star at the time. And uh, we were actually having a debate about something. I want to throw something out to you before we get into the episodes. So we have all these faces that are very. Uh, <sighs> They're almost like the face of Trek in a lot of ways. But if you had to pick one face, like one person to embody, like when you see him, that's like, this is Star Trek. This represents everything about Star Trek that we're trying to show. Like when you see that person, they are the literal face of it. Who would you, what character throughout the history would you say that is? So all history or in TOS? All history. Because I feel like the meaning of Star Trek changed from TOS to TNG. I don't think it ever changed. I think it grew with time, like it evolved. That's why they set TNG so far in the future. But when you watch the movies, it didn't change much, but it did change even then. Hmm. Maybe maybe like George Takei or um, Jonathan Frakes. Well, well, no, no, no. I don't I don't mean the actors. I mean the characters. Like, so if you were gonna throw up and just be like, all right, for anybody who may not know what Star Trek is, like what's a character you throw up and they'd be like, That's that's Star Trek. I know that. Like a good representative to be like, that's the face of Trek, you know? The face of Trek is probably Kirk, but I think Sulu would be a, a good uh face of Star Trek as well, because he has kind of that yeah. mix. 
Here, here's my argument. I would say Spock. I'd say Spock transcends the time of Star Trek because he was in TNG. He was in uh, 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 the new movies and stuff like that. I think, in my opinion, he uh, he just did. He owned it. Like even even watching the show, like he would, whether he liked what he was doing or not, he was an actor. About it. he went into it like because you can see Shatner and Kirk, but he's great. You can see all the actors in them. Um, it's just, but there's something about Spock. Like when I see Leonard Nimoy in that outfit, like he is Spock. And plus he directed a lot of the movies too. So that, that helps as well. Um, so like, I, I don't know, but I like that idea. And I like that you said Sulu or Kirk. Um, th- those are good choices. And and we all went TOS, which is kind of funny. <laughs> we both went TOS. Uh, all right. You ready to, you got any more tidbits for me? Um, not really. No. Yeah, we'll roll around. We might find some in the episode. So, all right, guys. So on September 8th, 1966, the first episode, the pilot episode, but not the true pilot. We'll get there in just a second. Uh, was what had premiered, and that's why it's Star Trek Day. That's right. The Man Trap. That was the first episode that premiered on television in September 8th, 1966. But that is not the first episode we're going to start off with. We watched on Paramount Plus, and there was an original pilot with a different crew besides Spock on the Enterprise. And it was Captain Pike, played by Jeffrey Hunter. Um, number one was played by Joe Barrett. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Uhura was there. Uhura was there as well. Um, you know, and, and and but Spock was a big carryover as. The, one of the main leads that's why I, I, more so what i meant but everybody else was sort of different nobody else really there that we knew and it was just a different kind of episode but still very trek it's still mixed it's still matched well i thought jeffrey hunter did a great job uh as captain pike and he really set a tone that we see now transcendent to anson mountain as pike uh, as we talked about in the first two seasons but that's where we're starting so it's not actually episode one it's episode zero and then uh, we are going to go in this episode all the way up to episode 15. And the reason that is because with episode zero, that makes 30, and we're going to get there. So the first episode we're talking about tonight is episode, is season one, episode zero, The Cage. Captain Pike is held prisoner and tested by aliens who have the power to project incredibly lifelike illusions. Uh, getting into this one, so uh, I, re- I liked the episode. I don't like the crew as much as the original crew, but I do like that they have been set a precedence in this uh and i enjoyed the spirit of it throughout i also liked how connected to anson mount's character it is even though anson mount's pike takes place 10 years even before this episode happens so i I, you know i dug it and and actually this episode takes place like i think like three or three to five years before uh kirk takes over so like it's a long time it's a long time in between uh, we see a lot of differences, but an older, grizzled, more jaded Pike I really enjoyed. I would love to hear your take on it, considering you just came off a big Pike show. It was a good episode. It was kind of fun. It was different than the rest. It was definitely different than the rest of this season. So, yeah, and, and for me, like, it was different because they changed the tone. Of course, that's what happens with pilots. Sometimes you film one, and then you'll send it to the executives, and they'll be like, listen, we want this, 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 and change. Focus groups get involved, things change out. So that's ultimately what happened here. And then they reshot it. So uh, on this, is this a high episode for the season for you? I mean, yeah. It's not one of the three highlight episodes, but it's kind of high up there. Very cool. All right. I, it's not one of my three highlights either. I like it. I'm glad, again, it pressed that precedence because we have Strange New Worlds. Without the cage, we don't have Strange New Worlds. And I do think that is a great show on track. Um, so, oh, yeah. What's up? Who's the better Pike? Hunter or Mount? Mount Mount has more time, but I it's so but but also Greece, uh, Bruce Greenwood played uh Pike in the movies, and I thought he did a really good job. Um, I I gotta be honest, I'm not sure who I would say. I would not, uh, well, no, 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 I would definitely say Anson Mount's the better Pike, but you gotta put an asterisk up there somewhere because uh, Jeffrey Hunter only got to do one episode. You know, so he never really got to explore it. But within this episode, it was explored. He was like, you know, he was a captain who was tired. And they talked about the Regillian War. And they talked about all this stuff. And like, it added a lot of layers that even like going forward and and, and Kirkson, like it didn't feel like it was like, let's let's all jump to conclusion. Like a lot of times back in the day, it was like, well, this must be what's happening. And it's like, well, that's a little fantastical <laughs> as an explanation. But not in this one. I thought they did a good job. Uh, all right. Something let's I didn't notice about um, the cage is when he's like on the stairs running away from the warrior in his dream his spear bends 
the blade of his spear bent. Yeah, but that might have been a. I would have to read up on it, so I'm not sure that because it would probably be an illusion, so like it shouldn't, but it it might have just been a. A lot of the stuff was like early sets; they're made flimsy out of stuff. You weren't really supposed to get too tough with it, and he probably did, you know. All right. Well, what's where does this um? What's a big takeaway you got from this episode? And who's um, your who's your shining character? Because I'd really like to hear that one with the old crew. It's Pike. No one else really stood a shot. Like no one else was in it enough, really. Yeah, they didn't give enough for number one to do, which was kind of sad because I do think Rebecca Romaine kills it with her that character now. So um my my lesson from this was don't trust um everybody because like the survivors, like they all get all trust and stuff, but yeah. you can't trust everybody. Well, I was I always but mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ixnay that because I not in life, <laughs> not in life, but on Star Trek, every episode they show up on planets with a lot of trust. And I think that's an important distinction between other um, uh, maybe space travel shows, things like that, where there's not a lot of trust. I think that's done on purpose to walk in and just say, we're explorers. I'd rather come in here with no expectation that you're going to hurt me. Be armed just in case, see what we can do, but ultimately... I would really like it if we can, you know, like, I, I'm here for peace. I want to, this is trust. You know, if I'm showing you trust, please show me trust. So I got that feeling from it. And I like that because it's very different from how Enterprise handles things. And even Strange New Worlds, but I do think Pike handles that in that way. You know, but we see that. And I, I think that's what, I think these retcons really helped this original series in that. Um, Gene Ronberry had this, they're explorers. They're going to go to these planets. They're uh they're gonna go peacefully and it's just gonna be you know that's the way we're gonna do it like so and and I, I've always appreciated appreciated that about Star Trek not going into any situation guns drawn expecting something unless you're at red alert mm -hmm. you know so I felt like there was a really good trust there for that so and they always continued that that was that was always sort of went out through universally through Star Trek so I gotta kind of argue with you there I, I I think that was a I I, I don't know that that's a the right takeaway for Star Trek. I understand it because in life that's a good takeaway, but uh Star Trek, I think you should be trusting that that that's what adds that element of um um hopefulness. But all right, let's go on to episode season one, episode one, The Man Trap, premiered Thursday, September 8th, 1966. Dr. McCoy discovers an old flame is not what she seems after the crew members begin dying from a sudden lack of salt in, the, in their bodies. I liked this episode, but it, I didn't think it was a strong start. Like, I like it was good, it was different. And I guess maybe for the 60s, I would have had to watch it with those eyes, but it just wasn't one that like really stood out to me as like this something I really needed. You know, like, like, like I really wanted to see start and I shouldn't say needed, but like, cause it's still a fun story, but like something I would wanted to see for the first one. I might, I might've tuned out if I had watched this first one, uh, brand new. what did you think of it? I did not like it. It had a good villain, but that was like it. I feel like they should have done more with it. Yeah. It was interesting because when we, I, and, and, and I felt the same way. Like I was like, the villain's cool. And I like how it kind of plays out and we start on the planet, goes into the ship and it makes sense. And I liked the acting and the acting was very good. There's some good elements to it, but I just didn't think it was, there's so many great stories in Star Trek, especially those first two seasons. Oh, hell, especially that first season. Like this one just seems like really weak. Uh, and for your first one, like, I, I don't know, it just kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, all right. Well, uh, what's a big takeaway in, uh, from this one? Who's your highlight character? Big takeaway. This is the one time I'm doing it this season is things are not always as they seem. Because in this one, Nancy Crater is a salt-sucking monster. It's true. And, you know, I can't really argue with that one. Thank you so much. You don't have to do it for this season. <laughs> you can do it again, but, like, maybe just, like, not everyone. Uh, my highlight character for this is is Kirk. Kirk. Kirk really shine, which is funny because I watched them back-to-back. -back. And for anybody, we were talking about the cage. The cage didn't premiere until 1986. Nobody saw that. That was a rejected pilot. The only we started with the man trap. Like now, some people may have had it on tape or something because it circulated, but it premiered on a valid VHS in 1986. So nobody really got to see that episode. So being able to watch them back to back, I got to see that. And and man, the man trap was actually the weakest of the two in life, which is ironic that it it, it kind of kept going on from that. But going into see episode two, Charlie X. Captain Kirk must learn the limits of the power uh, to the powerful. Oh, excuse me for a sec. Season one, episode two, Charlie X. 
Captain Kirk must learn the limits to the power of a 17-year-old boy with the psionic ability to create anything and destroy anyone. So this is a, this is a very Twilight zone type of episode. I honestly feel like this one sort of was a way to 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 appeal to the audience a bit. Uh, I'm not saying because they were all filmed together, so it's not like oh they knew the man trap would maybe not be a weaker one and this would be stronger. I just mean it. This one pretty much solely takes place on the ship. You get a lot more of, but it is like a, there's a supernatural element to his uh, psychic abilities and kind of how everything plays out. I like this episode, but I like this episode because of the planning. Like having to try and figure out how to stop this kid. I didn't particularly like the villain, uh, the kid who played Charlie. I was just kind of like, eh, you know, it wasn't that great. But uh, I did like the the crew in this. What did you think of this episode? It was a lot better. They should have started with this one over the man trap. I feel I like it would have set a different tone, though. I feel like if you were going to start this series, and and really because it starts with a man, uh, the man trap, you have to start it with them going on a field mission, or you you screw your tone personally. True. Yeah. You know, so like, I do feel like as a, a one that was solely on a ship, I'm glad it did come later. But yeah, I don't know that because we, I think like the next like two are are so like solely ships, but. We'll get into that. I have to look into my notes. Um, but yeah, Charlie X, I thought was a fun episode, very Twilight Zoney and and feel, which was an homage to. I don't know if it was an official homage, but it feels like a send up to uh, uh, William Shatner's episodes of Star of Twilight Zone. Um, and I dug it. I, I liked how it was played. It was played very smart while you had something fantastical going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your highlight character in this? Mine was Kirk, and uh, what is. He just, yeah, I think he's going to be a lot in this, either he or uh, Spock for the most part, because they, they are the leads. It was very demanding, but there's some other good ones. Um, I have like four or five people in total. Yeah, Scotty's definitely getting on there for a few. I, I, I think I fell in love with Scotty even more on this watch as an adult. I, he might, I don't know if he's my favorite, but he's up there. I love, uh, after this, Scotty and just seeing who he was through these seasons, like it was just wonderful. Um, all right. So what's your takeaway? Kids, it uh, doesn't matter how, what powers you have, you're still not as good as the adults. <laughs> that's your takeaway? <laughs> I thought it was one you'd like, because that's kind of what you. Uh, <laughs> Is that what you think I think? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I learn a lot from you and uh, and your brother, and I think you can learn a lot from kids. Uh, so no, I don't think it's uh, always listen to adults. My, my takeaway from this would be: as we grow, we experience different things, right? And we're going to always experience these different things. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they they might be good, but they might make us feel weird or bad uh, because we don't understand it. But it is always important to act in a way that you don't you don't jeopardize your principles your values, uh, or your character, you know, because then you can really dismiss your integrity. And and that's an important thing to hold on to. And now I realize that's like a very high thing, but Kirk was really trying to get through to him, to Charlie. And he was really, and Kirk, a man of action, keeps two men around him at all times. One that sets off very easily in McCoy and one that is very stoic and very logical in Spock. And I think he does that because he realizes that his ego can get in the way. Even at one time, he realized this guy was unstoppable, and he goes, I'm going to take him down. And it's like, what? Like, no, you're not. Like, you can't even get close to him. <laughs> like, for some reason, like, he's just, it, it's his ego that gets there, but it's like, that's why he, he keeps these people around him. So I think Spock's, uh, uh, I think Kirk's way of handling it was like, I can't just knock this kid out and, like, you know, drop him off somewhere like he's a power that needs to be taken care of and 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 shown respect and love but also discipline uh so i really love the parenting angle of this but there's definitely some datedness to it (laughs) so for sure but uh all right let's go on episode uh season one episode three where no man has gone before and that premiere thursday september 22nd 1960 Six. The flight recorder of the 200-year-old USS Valiant relays a tale of terror, a magnetic storm at the edge of the galaxy. You read that very well, even though I messed up twice and then we had to do a take where you do it. Uh, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, this episode, i got to be honest with you, because it was November when we started watching this episode. I do remember it. I don't remember it enough to to really like i don't know if i like this then because like it wasn't one that really stuck out to me like i have notes on the ones i really enjoyed throughout the season uh and this one i just really couldn't really draw up anything that threw out to me what'd you think of this episode i couldn't find i couldn't remember much but i remember that it was good 
it's not highlight. It might have been if I could have remembered it. But that's, but that's what I'm saying because like there's so many episodes just by sitting back and thinking about them, looking at the titles. I'm like, I remember. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed this about it and this and the characters and stuff. This one is just like lost on me. I'm like, I know I watched it. I remember the episode, but it just wasn't as much fun. Although I will tell you, the chess scene was pretty cool and the reuse of the sweaters, which we didn't really get a lot of after that. Sure. Uh, so, so there's some notable things, but like I guess Kirk is my favorite. Spock is the. I'm actually I'm gonna make Spock my highlight character because I, I did like the chess scene. I'm gonna make Kirk, and uh, you know the one man who's like saying he's a god, Kirk's friend. Yes, I can't remember his name though. <laughs> Neither can I. So he made Kirk a headstone, right? And it read mm-hmm. James R. Kirk. Yes, that's. I'm glad you. I'm glad you caught up on that because that is one that was a big mess up. I've heard that before, where it was kind of thrown away because his middle name is Tiberius. That's the canon, you know. So I would. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing. It's a canon event. It's true. Uh, so all right. So I don't. So I guess I'll say Spock is. Did you have a takeaway from this episode? Because we're having a hard time even like really wanting to drum up, but I'm like getting excited for the next episode to talk about. So you know, I got to hold on to that. Nobody's really a god because people say because in this one they're gods and then they get yeah. still get beat. Yeah. And then and, and, and they were outsmarted. Yeah, it's it's their hubris that really kills them. But all right, let's uh, jump on to season one, episode four, the naked time. The crew is infected with a mysterious disease that removes people's emotional inhibitions to a dangerous degree. Uh yeah, this one affected this is the one where it's most famous, I think, for uh introducing Sulu in the fencing. Uh the famous scene where he's running around the ship and he's fencing with people. Well he's trying to and they're running away. I don't blame him. Uh and, you know and, and on lots of other elements to this I just had a really good time with. This is a great Star Trek episode. I th- I would put this I will reveal at the end, but this might be in my top five. It's probably is in mine as well it's such a good episode. what was one of your favorite elements of this it was a good episode it was very it was one of the best episodes it's not the best episode it was amazing i like the inhibition part how they like get rid of that and it really shined on a lot of characters that haven't gotten a time yet which i think was good it was more of a character development episode but it did it really well i think yeah, and that's a great that's a great point. I like that a lot. It is a really good character development episode. Like you said, they it'll introduce a lot of backstory, just elements, implications through for Sulu and other other players in it. Um, it wasn't just about the three, which was nice. You know, you, you added so much more to it. So yeah, I, I really like this one. Uh, who's your highlight character in the Naked Time? Sulu. Sulu, really? I see. I would go again with Kirk. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job in this one. Uh, all right, and what's your takeaway from this? Is um inhibitions are all like trust your gut but don't trust it completely because that's because in no this to out the truth look for the logic right yeah i like it i like it all right season one episode five the enemy within a transporter malfunction splits captain kirk into two has one meek and indecisive and the other violent and ill-tempered the remaining crew members stranded on the planet cannot be beamed up to the ship until a problem is fixed i uh i had a good time with this one there's a lot of pressing uh pressures on uh the timing like having to save the people down on the planet uh but they have to get the transporter figured out kirk is running all around in two different areas doing two different people you got a dog dressed in a furry costume the whole thing is wild in fact that that dog is just that's famous for being a horrible alien <laughs> but i still love it well it's adorable i mean it goes under for adorable but and, and and a good and a good boy or girl i'm not sure which one it was or both of them really but um i but it isn't a good alien <laughs> i mean do you think it's a, do you think that's like a really well presented alien in television yes <laughs> you do i bet you do um i i like this episode it, it wasn't one of my favorites but i did enjoy it i thought the duality of Kirk. Uh, this is one of the ones where you could point to him and be like, William Shatner is a good actor. He deserved mm-hmm. this role. He did a great job. Uh, he's my highlight character for that fact. Like, it's just well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think about this? I like the pressure episodes where, where it's like a timing issue. So do I. And just one thing that was like super funny about this episode is like the evil Kirk looks like super emo because it's like he has eyeshadow all around his eyes and he's like just angry all the time yeah they did give you they did give it a little look with the eyeshadows just to kind of make it a little more evil because they did it i think in the mirror episode as well uh, they, i they have i don't remember that the, uh, the I, eyeshadow 
Yeah. I have to double check, but I, I thought they did. But they didn't show much of Kirk from the Mirror episode in it. You know, like they show yeah. him for like a second freaking out and like Spock knew. <laughs> so it was always a funny one for me. All right. Uh, who's your highlight character and what's your what's the takeaway? Um, Kirk and there's two sides to every story slash person slash coin. Yeah, because once they bring them back together, like they need both sides. Both sides are what make him such a decisive mm-hmm. and good captain. Uh, all right. Season one, episode six, Mud's Women. So Harry Mudd finally shows up. Uh, the Enterprise picks up an untrustworthy entrepreneur, Harry Mudd, accompanied by three beautiful women who immediately put a spell on the all-male crew members. Uh, this was a fun episode. It was cool to have Harry Mudd there. I like this. I think this is one that stands out as a good one. It's not one of my favorites, but I do like the Harry Mudd character. He's a fun villain. In fact, I, I, don't like, I don't like the one from discovery i just want to point that out before you share yours like i because i like this harry mud better but uh please proceed i'd love to hear it i don't like this episode really why not i feel like it was the same thing as the orion i mean i saw enterprise first so it felt like the orion episode it felt like a copy mm-hmm. because i saw en- enterprise first yeah and the one episode where the orions put a spell on everybody it's it's a copy of this episode but i saw that first so i was like oh this is just a copy of it well, now that you now that you know that, and you and and logically you can say like, well, this did come out first. Which one do you think that changes your opinion? It's always gonna. It, I'm always gonna think that it's a copy of this, the Enterprise one, because I saw that one first. Yeah, I guess it kind of sticks in your head. Uh, but even though uh, with your feelings on it, who was your highlight character, and what's your takeaway? Kirk was my highlight character, and um, not everything. Uh, you say it. I swear to God. Not. We know it's not what it seems. But what else? Don't tr- don't trust a guy named Harry. That's what. That's my takeaway. The takeaway. No, don't, no, no, trust, don't a trust a guy named Mud. <laughs> don't trust a guy named Harcourt Fenton. Don't trust a guy named Harcourt Fenton Mud. <laughs> Mud. Your last name's Mud, dude. Um, and your middle name is Fenton. 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 Sound like that scientist from um, Ducktales. Yeah. Gizmo Duck, the second greatest hero in Duck history. We know who's that. Who's the first? I'm sorry. Did you say who's the first? <gasps> That's Do you want to get dangerous? Do you want to get dangerous? That, is that what's third? That's third. We all know Howard the Duck is the best. Yeah, I know you're obsessed with wanting to watch that movie and you don't realize how wrong you are, but that's your problem. <laughs> no, not that movie. I, I don't I don't want to watch the movie. I just mean Howard the Duck as a character is the greatest duck. I, I watched that movie when I was probably younger than you. And uh, yeah, now I realize <laughs> I can't ever let you watch that movie until you're older. Um, Why? You know, find out. <laughs> so all right, I'll take I'll, I will take that. Uh, as a good takeaway, don't trust a man named Mud. <laughs> That's a, don't trust. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make a shirt that says "Don't trust a man named Mud." <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, season one, episode seven. What are what are little girls made of? Nurse Chapel is reunited with her fiance, but his new obsession leads him to make an android duplicate of Captain Kirk. I liked this episode. This was a good episode, in my opinion. I like that uh, Nurse Chapel got some shine on this too. It seems too much like the um, man trap, except really? you switch McCoy with Chapel. I dis. I mean, it's similar. You're gonna find a lot of similar stories back in the day, though. There wasn't a. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they worked it back in the day. Like, there's a kind of a factory of writing, but um, okay. If it is, I didn't like the man trap, and I really like this one. So, if if anything, it's a better told story. It's better than the man trap. I didn't like this one either. I didn't like either. Of really, this. I loved the because the nurse chapel got some shine, but then she disappears. Like she disappears hard. Like it's like that's her fiance, and she's not like part of fixing this it's really weird but uh or even like is she gonna make this decision or that decision uh, i wish they had played that up especially with the actor they have in strange new world she's doing such an amazing job um but michelle barrett uh at least did get to shine i did like uh how kirk was stuck on the planet and then when you it, and then spock and which who is my highlight character in this was able to kind of figure out kind of what's going on Mine and was kirk. really yeah i mean i could see that kirk was a good one kirk with kirk shines in a lot of these and he's supposed to he's the captain um so overall you like this episode though oh no you didn't like this episode uh what's your takeaway from it though um no i'm not gonna say it don't trust one. don't trust old fiancés who like robots don't trust don't trust no 
How about this? Let's let's tweak it just a little bit. Don't trust old flames. Who like because robots? I wouldn't even say robots because you can say salt sucking monsters too. <laughs> so let's just no, say the old flame them. is the salt sucking monster. They don't like the salt sucking monster. They are the salt suck. Who who don't who like robots or salt? True. All right, fair. All right. Season one, episode eight, Miri. The Enterprise discovers a planet exactly like Earth, but the only inhabitants are children who contract a fatal disease upon entering puberty. Uh it it was this I all right. It was weird. It was a weird one. I, I, I didn't I didn't mind the kids. I didn't mind what they were trying to figure out. Like it was a it was a well told story, but like there were a lot of acting choices in this that seemed really peculiar. Maybe by today's standards. Maybe even by the 80s standards, but like I'm not like pointing anything out that like happened that was big, but like it just seemed like the interaction seemed off between them. Not not in a suspicious way, but like Kirk talking to Miriam, like you're not so much even talking to her like a dad, you're not talking to her like somebody like you you would inappropriately want to have some sort of relationship with. Um, you're talking to her almost like you're 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 a power you're you're so much powerful than these children and it almost felt like everyone just felt these children should be subservient to whereas i felt like okay we have to figure out the problem of puberty and then teach these kids to survive on this planet because ideally that's what you're supposed to do right what was your um, takeaway from this show it people don't always make it no one ever makes it (laughs) ever in life like i'm gonna tell you right now that's why they call it that because it ends <laughs> like so nobody's gonna make it tommy ate the burger tea i hope for a very 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 long time but we ain't gonna make it we're not gonna be there we're not gonna be there to see the sunset in the end um just although with the way humanity's going we might well that's just our ends though but uh all right so okay i get that um is so that's your takeaway and you said kirk who's your shiny character in this i think mine's kirk spock really why spock i like spock um he was good in this this is probably his best episode in my opinion except no no there were some episodes where he was amazing in but this is it spock was really the only good part of this episode i think he's the one that brought it up thinking about his oh yeah when he i do i'm gonna change mine up mine's spock that is a good one because now i'm thinking about some of the choices that they both made and i think that's what threw me off about kirk in this episode is like it just didn't seem like natural choices that the kirk we've seen in the past like seven episodes or six episodes really oh no no seven seven we're eight in but uh seven episodes um it just didn't feel like a choice he would make choices he would make felt it felt yeah. odd uh all right let's move on to season one episode nine dagger of the mind kirk and psychiatrist helen noel uh are trapped on a maximum security penal colony that experiments with mind control and spock must use vulcan mind meld to find a way to save them this i think it's the first time we see vulcan mind meld which is interesting yeah i think it is yes i'm pretty sure it is unless they showed it in miri unless they did it in miri for um when the kid died i don't remember him using a mind meld in that moment that's the only thing for me um i didn't this episode was okay i didn't love i did like the mind meld being added to it um and that that it became sort of a thing like granted a lot of this stuff was to help save on you know having to add special effects or, or do stuff like that so they made up certain things but i that's why i think the mind meld has become so rich it's been in part of the lore for so long it's cool to see this uh that's really the biggest part of this episode for me what did you think about this episode it was good i think it's better than the past few episodes yeah i'll agree to that it is it is a good episode but i just it, it wasn't like a blow away episode for me not like two of the episodes that we've seen so far and they were back to back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think going in this one was good, but I, I gotta tell you one of my favorite episodes is coming up after this. But before we get there, who's your highlight character for this one? Spock. Uh Kirk slash Spock. I couldn't take oh, double. And uh what's your takeaway from it? Um, don't go into random machines that apparently can save people from being insane. Well, if I can add just a little bit more to that, how about always enter suspicious like we were talked about from the first episode i love the hopefulness but there are certain times where if you trust your instincts and you you know if you trust your gut instincts uh, uh, you know another word for it um i feel like you and and, and you entered with you know with some sort of not suspicion but like okay i'm gonna be careful like a carefulness to it 
mm-hmm. you can eliminate a lot of these issues. <laughs> you can eliminate a lot of these issues. So uh, from Tommy's takeaway, if you could take that, if you go into a situation, make sure you do it in a way where you're careful and you are show common sense. Uh, all right. Now, this is one of my, this might be my favorite, but we're going to get into it a little bit more. Season one, episode 10, the Corbo might maneuver. After the Enterprise is forced to destroy the dangerous marker buoy, a gigantic alien ship arrives to capture and condemn the truest the crew as trespassers. I love this episode because it, it was all a contained episode. It was a lot of bridge episode. Like it wasn't just on a bridge, but it was figuring it out. Like the maneuver portion of it is like they they call it that because it's fam- made famous by the pilots and the and the captain who can do it. I I just thought it was just wonderful. I thought this was a terrific episode that really put them up up against a force that they had to outthink in some mm-hmm. fashion. And I love those types of episodes. I think that's what Star Trek is truly all about is outthinking every situation, which they do, but you didn't need any like 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 being brute about it is what got them in trouble in the first place. So having that juxtaposition of walking away from it from a smarter standpoint, I dug it. I was like, this is cool. This is a good one. Uh, my, and Kirk is my shining character in this. Uh, who, what's, who's your shining character? What's your takeaway? Um, mine is Spock. Mm, Spock was good in this too, to really kind of rethink things. Um, and what's your takeaway from it? Um, don't destroy giant things. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> if I can add my own little spin on that is yes. Uh, again, treat things carefully. Like if you come across something, I'm not saying that you have to trust them. I'm not saying you have to jump right on board with it or anything like that, but maybe don't destroy it. Never know what the biggest thing is. Like don't kill a baby snake. You never know where mommy is sort of thing. Uh, I got that feel from this. It was like, you screwed mine. Now I'm going to come get you and I'm bigger. And they <laughs> had and it, and it put the bullies in their place because let's essentially when they blew that up they were sort of bullying it like granted i understood the reasoning but then the big ship came and was like mm, we don't like how you did that and they had to it almost humbled them a little bit they had to think their way out you know what the funny thing is about what? this episode is the ship is so huge and then it's and then it's an alien half the size of every human on the ship i did that that I, but i think that reinforces my idea of like you they were the bullies at first they did something and then and then this gigantic ship being run by this this tiny alien uh and how it ended in peace they were able to just be like hey all right let's get along you know mm-hmm. sorry for what we did blah blah blah. and it ended in peace and everybody walked away well you know uh mm-hmm. you know in certain space in certain spots <laughs> but all right let's go let's go on to uh season one episode 11 the menagerie very very famous episode uh this is part one this is a two-part episode it was uh, November 17th and November 24th, 1966, respectively, they came out. Now, the reason I'm making sure to bring this up is because the Menagerie took the cage, the original, um, and this is how they kind of incorporated Crypt and Pike into the main series and such and back in the day. It took that show and then it interspersed it into another story where we're finding out that Spock, where, where Captain Pike has been severely injured and uh in a big explosion and he lives his life in in severe pain and spock is working his way sneakily through to try and get captain pike back to um into to was it talosian 4 talos 4 talos 4 but they are talosians uh talos 4 um to kind of uh have him live life out there in peace with uh the i forget the woman's name in the in the story but so he can live a life of peace and not feel pain he loves his captain that much he served with him for 10 years that's what he's doing so he's committing a high act of treason mutiny and such he steals the ship um kirk has to kind of go and get him down and, and figure this out but we're getting those stories from the cage interspersed with this. So that's how we're getting the connection from the pilot to this one. And a little more backstory, especially for Spock. Spock is my shining character in this, uh, in this episode. Because, yes, he is sort of working as an adversary. But I really liked what he was doing here. Uh, well, who's your shining character and what's your takeaway? Also, Spock, um, stuff that looks wrong on the outside might not be like it like it a lot and i like how captain pike was still telling him no don't do this i will live a life of pain without you having to suffer you're too good of an officer like like he doesn't say that but you get that whole feel from everything that's happening um and then we get to episode two uh, of this Mm two-part series that's season it's up season one episode 12 the menagerie part two um and now it's the court martial episode spock is caught uh they stop him from getting to house four which is completely uh cut off from everyone 
and now it's a matter of it's almost like a desperate plea to make sure that um that pike can go down there and live in peace once they figure that out and once the the reveal happens and i'm not gonna ruin it here for anyone uh we are able to have pike have some reprieve from his injuries and it's quite wonderful uh and 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 i i I love these two episodes i think these are fantastic episodes that show a lot of growth in character uh for the second episode kirk is more my guy for this uh my shining character and uh i don't have a takeaway but what's your takeaway um don't get court martialed. I don't have reason. Don't get court martialed. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> don't go on trial for stealing a ship. All right, I'm good. I like that. Don't I like steal, that. Thing. Don't steal the flagship of a galactic empire because you want to go to a planet. Because you want to go on vacation. Because you want your you friend. Want to, to he not go on vacation without his buddy. Shut up. Because <laughs> he wants his friend to get a vacation. No, he wants. That is so an oversimplification of the highest regard. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, season one, episode 13, The Conscience of the King. While Captain Kirk investigates whether an actor's actually presumed dead mass murder, a mysterious assailant is killing people who could identify the fugitive. So uh, just to kind of give a bit of a backstory, this came out on December 8th, 1966. Uh, this was a traveling theater group came onto the Enterprise. They were going to travel with them to another planet, their next destination. Uh, but while they do it, they would perform and have the same... Um, you know kind of just have like uh, entertainment on the ship while they're doing it and one of the main actors kirk is haunted by as one of the worst human beings to go uh to come out of the war from early on that he he had he was like a huge war criminal who who killed many many people and kirk he went missing kirk didn't he was presumed dead but kirk had always been haunted by this guy and his existence so when he sees him it brings it back so it becomes like a desperate search to try and figure out if it's him or not but then you have this whodunit of like who's on the ship killing people is it this guy is it him i love the whodunit nature of this i thought it was really well played i thought the acting was great my my character for this is kirk because the intensity he showed plus on top of the um you know maintaining like i know this i know what's happening and the twister what did you think of this episode and what's uh what's your takeaway it was good um it wasn't great kirk was my shining character i'd argue i'd argue that this was a great episode personally i i, I would hard argue that. and my um uh takeaway is um don't trust weird actors who look like mass murderers when people are dying on your starship all right, I'm not. I'm not asking you your thing anymore. <laughs> I'm just gonna get mine from now on. You get fake. But ones. they're amazing takeaways. Yeah, yeah, they're not bad they're takeaways. All, they're all life lessons that you would definitely want. These are know. life lessons if you're actually on a starship. <laughs> Don't let them take your ship. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, our final episode for this episode that we'll be talking about. Then make sure you join back next week, uh, where we're going to be going after the last 15 episodes of the season, and that is. Season 1, Episode 14, Balance of Terror. The Enterprise must decide on its response when a Romulan ship makes a destructively hostile armed probe of Federation territory. Uh, I thought this was a great episode. It came out December 15, 1966. It really showed the scope of what Star Trek can be. There's a lot of war elements to it. I thought they did a great job. The actors, especially with the stunts and such, the stuntmen were fantastic. Uh, but then when you, get to the, when you get to a lot of things between um, Mark Leonard's a uh, character who's playing the Romulan captain versus Kirk. And they're back and forth. There's so much for respect there. Now, Mark Leonard is famous for having played Sarek, Spock's father, later in this series and on TNG and more. So uh, this is was wonderful to see him in a different element. This is the introduction of the Romulans. Uh, we start to see a little bit more of the Romulans uh, because we really only touched down just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit an enterprise they were they were present but it wasn't a lot we got this is a little bit more uh and i really enjoyed that fact to this uh what did you think tom what did you think of this episode it was a fun episode to me i think it was kind of like a break almost because there were some amazing like cinematic episodes this was a fun it was a cinematic episode but it was a fun episode it was um there were some good parts about it i didn't particularly love it per se but it was a good episode it's just not exactly up my alley well what was what was something that what are some elements you didn't like about it maybe some other ideas to it i feel like they could have um done a little bit more with the um romulans i feel like because it's almost like you only introduce them as the war species i feel like if they had introduced them just even a little bit in a different episode and then you have the big Romulan episode, then that would have worked. But 
because I feel like this episode would have been better if before it you had an episode where the Romulans weren't the big bad guy, but they were a bad guy, and you know what the Romulans are instead of giving well, you. I would I would argue that the Romulans for a long time will remain the bad guy. You know, a lot of mistrust, a lot of different things that go into elements there, but elements that go into play there. But I would argue that I'm glad they never showed a Romulan in this series um, until Mark Leonard, because that is essentially the first one. Now, granted, we watched Enterprise and we have and we've watched other episodes of Star Trek and movies and stuff. So we have a base of what the Romulans are. But for the first one to have a sign of respect for Kirk, where mm-hmm. anybody who's watching this um, in order that it came out, like that's like okay it adds that element of like they're not so bad there's good romulans bad romulans and i like that because we do get heavy into the bad stuff that they do later on you know even mm-hmm. stuff that takes place before uh i did like the episode uh and finishing off on this i thought um this was this was a good one for this episode to to kind of end it on uh i did i did have a good time my my character my shining character for this was kirk uh, i thought there was a really good back and forth between he and mark leonard's uh, romulan character who, how about you? What did you think? It's, um, yeah, this is definitely Kirk for the Shining character. I have Mark Leonard did amazing as the Romulan captain. I kind of felt like instead of having just that one, I feel like they should have had another Romulan who played a decent role because it was really just that one and then his crew. I didn't really see anybody else who had a big role other than Mark Leonard and the bridge crew. Yeah, no. So I mean, th- those are the big ones. So like, uh, Kirk is definitely, uh, I think, the shining character in this because it was meant to be for that. Uh, any takeaways you have from it? Not really. No, I don't really get a takeaway from this episode. Do you? Um. I, well, a lot of the takeaways I have from this episode maybe aren't so much like inspirational or anything, but I do. There's some stuff that I really like. The elements of, um, the sort of putting the face of the captains at the front of the war so we're really getting the face of humanity i thought that was a really good filmmaking choice for this uh i thought the two captains who each who are sympathetic in our eyes and we do actually care about them but they stand on different sides but there's such a respect as a well-written sort of form to this this episode i think that's what really dragged me to it was like this isn't this is a formidable um uh captain to go up against kirk like i think if if they had a ship that was just as good probably would have won you know because they were there was a second but they had the killer instinct whereas kirk is a little bit less you know well more so i would say not maybe a little bit but you know a good amount um yeah there's that respect of life where the romulans it almost seems like mark leonard's character had that same respect but like he grew up just different he grew up in a different world so that warlike mm-hmm. world uh, I dug that about that, but this, I thought this was a good episode to end off on, and uh, we're going to do just that. So, guys, thank you so much for joining in on this episode of Warp Factor Fiction. I'm your host, Mick Manhattan, joined, as always, by Lieutenant Junior Grade Tommy Manhattan. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, of course. Well, it's your show, too, my friend. Uh, so we are, we'll are we be back all, uh, next week with an all-new episode covering the second half of Star Trek TOS Season 1. And then we'll be going on to Season 2 in February, Season 3 in March, the animated series, in April, and then for the next six months we will be talking about the movies we're going to special live events with guests and stuff to talk about each of those movies we're going to have a really good time doing it so hopefully you're joining in but if you want to see these first you want to be the first ones up to go and check it out you got to join our patreon there's a free tier so you can follow us for free get our updates there and such but if you want a little bit more like warp factor fiction other shows that we do that are exclusive on there you know we do special merch drops things like that plenty of other stuff to go around as well uh i do i think you you guys might have a good time and uh it all goes back to support the scene snobs and more practice fiction uh guys thank you again so much uh i'm mick that's tommy until next time like i always say be kind stay classy take care of yourselves because that's important and tommy bahama what are you gonna say live long and prosper that's right take care everybody